this message things that really matter. Things that really matter. You've been thinking about some things that don't make much difference one way or the other. But there are some things that do make a difference. There are some things that really matter. I used to be a big baseball fan. When I was a boy, I kept up with all the statistics that they published. I could tell you what everybody's batting average was, how many home runs they'd hit, how many strikeouts they had. I, I, was, a, I was a real aficionado of baseball. Lost interest in it when, as I got older because it seemed to get slower and slower and I was getting faster and faster, so it just didn't correlate anymore. But, but one thing I remember, and there are a lot of things I remember actually as a matter of fact about that, those days of, of following that sport. But Babe Ruth hit 60 home runs in 1927. And that was a magnificent standard. It held up for 34 years. It wasn't until 1961 that someone came along and hit 61 home runs. And I did not like it at all. Didn't like the man who did it. Didn't like the fact that it happened. Because I thought that was a record that should stand forever. You know what I've learned as I've gotten older? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't even make any difference. And then that came along because, you know, there was a time when home runs were a premium. Then that came along, and it seemed like everybody was hitting home runs. Everybody was hitting at least 50, and they kept hitting 50. They kept on moving up. They kept on moving the standard up. But it was different. In the days of Babe Ruth, they didn't have steroids and those other things that assist you and help you. And uh, you didn't have to put an asterisk by his name because he really hit the home runs. And he did it when the ball was dead. They called it a dead ball. Later when the ball got alive and a lot of things changed. But I thought about all this a lot. I dwelt on it. And then I came to the conclusion, I don't actually really know for a fact that he ever hit 60 home runs. I didn't see one of them hit except on video and film. Somebody could have slipped one in. He hit 59 home runs one other season. And other times he hit up in the 50s in home runs. So in 1927, maybe somebody just decided along the way to skew the records a little bit. I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying I don't know that it didn't happen. And I haven't spent a lot of time worrying about that. Because I found out there are some things that really matter. And there's some things you may care about, but they really don't make much difference in the whole economy of life, and certainly not in the plan of God for eternity. But there are things that matter, and always will matter. The things that we need to do to know, to be saved, to live a life of salvation, and know that we're secure in Christ Jesus, which we have sung about over and over this morning, and being secure in Him, ready for eternity because of the provision that He has made for us. And so when people are being baptized today, if you've been baptized some years in the past, take this as a reminder. This is what we're declaring when people come forth and are baptized in water today. There are some things that matter more than all other things. And what I'm talking about today are among those things that matter forever. This is scripture I share with you today. Romans 10.9, if you acknowledge and confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord, recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God. So acknowledging him as the Savior of the world, as the Lord of heaven, as the Lord of life, if you acknowledge that he is Lord and confess with your mouth that he is Lord, and confessing with your mouth means recognizing his power, authority, and majesty as God, and, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now that's something worth knowing and knowing forever. That's a promise of God, and the promises of God always stand. They never change. They're never abrogated. They're never out of date. This is a promise that you can stand on, not only for now and through life, but you can stand on this promise for eternity because God will keep his word. Now, I know that there's a lot. We live in a world today that is, that is still a world that's secular, a world that doesn't accept the spiritual truth, truth of the Bible. And I will tell you, I understand that this is a hard thing to comprehend. And what I'm going to say beyond this is difficult for many people to understand. Because the Bible says that there is a push against the Word of God in the world. The, the Bible puts it this way. The preaching of the cross is to those who perish foolishness. It's foolishness to some to preach this message I'm preaching to you this morning. To say that someone died on the cross, that one person could die for the sins of all the world and atone for the sins in the mind of God and in the plan of God so that every person can be saved and have his sins forgiven and have a pathway to heaven and the security of heaven in the person of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. I know that's something that the world finds difficult to accept and does not accept. But this is the basis of salvation. Because salvation is by faith. By faith. By grace are you saved, grace the unmerited, undeserved favor of God. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So we're saved by faith, and faith in the fact that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. This is something that matters. This is, this is, these are scriptures that tell you what I'm saying. The first thing is, if you don't believe the Bible, and I give you these scriptures that are in the Bible, you're still as negative and unbelieving as ever. But I will tell you that these words have a power and an authority. When you come to realize their truth, you see and feel and experience and know the power of these words. The Bible says, 1 John 3, 8, For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. One, I'm talking now about Jesus died on the cross for the sins of everyone. The second scripture, Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. I love that scripture. The King James says God commendeth his love toward us. And that while he was yet, we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the Living Translation. It says the same way, but in today's language. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were yet sinners. 
What a glorious message that is. And that's your salvation, my friend, yours and mine, provided by Almighty God in the person of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins, as this word is telling us. And you know this. If you don't, you should know it and learn it today and don't ever forget it. You know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. I give to you the greatest promise ever made to mankind, a promise available to you, a promise available to every single person who will believe it. It's just a matter of believing it and accepting it by faith. Again, you know it well. God so loved the world, including you and me and every person in it, that he gave his only, one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. And praise God for that. So the things that matter, Jesus died on the cross for your sins as your substitute. When I went to a little vacation Bible school as a little boy, I think it was the first time I'd ever been in a church for any kind of a service. A little preschooler. They had a little vacation Bible school across the street from my house. And they rounded up all the neighborhood boys and girls to go. Told them we'd get Kool-Aid and cookies and do projects. So that's why I went. I think that's why I went. I really believe I went because God decided early in my life to make an impact on me. So I went in there, and the first time I ever heard, ever heard, and it was many, many years after that before I ever heard it again, in that little vacation Bible school, I remember to this day the teacher saying, Jesus died for you. I want you to remember that today. If you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember today that Jesus died for you. And when I went home that day, because the teacher had said, he died for you, the Roman soldiers took him and they nailed him to a cross. And that was where he died for you, in your place. He died in your place. I walked back across, I just laid right across the street from that church. I walked back across the street that day and thinking, wow. I sure am glad that man Jesus died for me because if he hadn't, I guess those soldiers would be waiting for me over here ready to kill me, crucify me. That's in my infantile, childish mind. That's what I really thought. If, if, if they hadn't nailed him to the cross in my place, they would have nailed me to the cross. And that's not too far off. The only way that you escape the judgment that was placed on Jesus, the judgment for sin, the judgment for the iniquity of the world, the judgment for the transgressions of all of history placed on him. The only way you and I escape our part of that is because Jesus took that burden for us and that price was paid on our behalf. He was our substitute on the cross. That's what we're talking about when we come into baptism today. When we take one under the water, they're saying, I died with Jesus. I died to sins as I'm buried in the water of baptism. I'm dying to sin. And then further than that, let me express to you another thing that greatly matters, something you must believe if you're going to be saved, and that is that Jesus Christ arose from the dead. 
the miracle of the ages, the two greatest days in the history of mankind, the two greatest days. Jesus died on the cross. The second greatest day, not in relative, they both are important, equally important. The second thing, Jesus arose from the dead. And he's alive today. This Jesus who walked out of the tomb alive, this Jesus who shed the grave clothes, this Jesus who took again his glorified body as he walked out of the tomb is alive today. And he's the Jesus who's living in your heart and your life today if you've accepted him. So he arose from the dead. And it's important that you believe that. I know, again, here's we're confronted with the impossible. That Jesus is dead three days in the tomb on the morning of that third day had risen from the dead. We're confronted with the impossible because this is not the rational. You are not saved by learning to do the equations. There's no mathematic formula that you can sit down no matter how brilliant you are and put it together and come out with the right answer and that you're saved. There's nothing ever written by the wise men and there are some wise men who have lived in this world who said some wise things, but they never said anything that would cause you to be saved and go to heaven. What does that is believing that Jesus died on the cross for you and that he arose again on the third day to make sure that we know his sacrifice is taken to the throne of the Father and presented at the altar of God so that sin is atoned for and we can be forgiven of sins. Salvation is free only in the salvation message of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Only in that message of Jesus Christ. So he arose from the dead. This is what Paul said about that. As there was a discussion about resurrection, all the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, you can find a lot of this. This is what he said in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14. And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. Nothing about this message that I declare to you, nothing about the existence of this church or any other Christian church, None of that makes any difference whatsoever. It will not matter in any way whatsoever if, in fact, Jesus has not risen from the dead. That's the basis of our faith. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead and assured us, guaranteed us, in fact, a certainty that if we put our trust and our faith in him, salvation is ours because it is not anything we've earned or anything we can achieve. It's the gift of God to us by our faith in this person of Jesus, of Jesus, this person of Jesus who died and rose again. So, so when we, 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 so we practice baptism and, and, and we take a person into the water, and this is symbolic. They die with Christ on the cross going under the water and are in the tomb, and then symbolically we raise them up. It's like coming forth out of the tomb into new life. And that new life is given to us when we put our faith in him. If any man be in Christ, any man, any person, any woman, any individual, be in Christ, believing what I just said to you, that person is a new creation. Coming up out of the water to represent newness of life coming out of the tomb with Jesus in newness of life. 
Behold, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. That's the salvation experience. And that's what baptism represents to us. There's a, there's a great, powerful truth that we express to you and share with you today. The truth that I've just declared to you. And I know that there are some people sitting here, because we've had people right here in this church, wanting to make a decision but cannot quite grasp it all. Some people still on the, on the borderline of trying to, trying to accept all of this, trying to believe it, have the faith to accept it and believe it. And I know that there are people like that. I'm not saying that they're just, there are always a few. And that's not a bad thing. It means God's drawing people to them. And people are trying to make the right decision. And here's the way you have to make that decision. You have to determine God's word means what it says. God's word is true. God's word is the answer. The only place you have to go to get the answers of life, I guarantee you, you will not find them in Plato. You will not find them in Socrates. You will not find them in Shakespeare. You will find the answers of life in this Bible, in this word. And this Bible says, Holy Bible on the front, that's where the answers are. And those are the only real answers that will last for eternity. The only ones that will last for eternity. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So, so if you find it difficult to believe that, I believe that God will help you. God will give you the faith if you're earnest. And if you're earnest before him and sincere before him, God will give you the faith to believe it. Because you're going to have to believe. I don't mean when you're first saved. I mean, you're going to have to come to faith and believe. When I was first saved, I didn't believe anything because I didn't know anything. So I'm not saying to come to Jesus. You have to learn all this before you come. I'm not saying that. I'm saying once you come to him, then you're, you're confronted with why you're saved and why you are ready to go to heaven. And the enemy begins to torment you and tell you, well, you're not ready. You're the same person you were, but you're not. Then you go to God's Word, and you find out the answer is here. And when I see it in God's Word, and I believe it, that settles it. Hallelujah. God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. That's where you have to come to. And God will help you do that. God will help you do that against the tide of the world, against the tide of the opinions of man, against the flood of what is supposed to be education and learning, against all of the psychiatry and all the psychology, because anything that does not declare Jesus is Lord is false. Anything that does not accept that Jesus is the Savior is false. Anything that does not recognize Jesus rose from the dead to justify us in our salvation is an error. It is not true. What is true is this word. I read in all the course, I had read this one time before, but in the course of the events of Billy Graham's death and funeral, I heard this told again. And as I said, I'd read it years ago. I was glad to hear it again to get a confirmation and clarity on it. In the early days of his preaching, you know, Billy Graham always said, the Bible says. He might tell you where it is in the Bible, he might not, but he could always said, the Bible says. Because that was his authority. That was his only authority. The Bible says. And people came to him as he began to get prominent, well nationally known and recognized. Many of his people came to him. And they said, you've got to tone this down. You've got to make this more acceptable to people. 
can't really preach this, the Bible literally true. You're not going to get anywhere if you do that. And he had to wrestle with that. His own words, he went aside. I don't know how long. He pulled himself aside. He took God's word. And he knew he had to decide between two things. This Bible is either all true or it's not true at all. This Bible is either all true or it's not true at all. He prayed. He read the Bible. He saw things in there he didn't understand. I have to. I still do. He saw things he couldn't explain to other people. I'm in the same shape. But he finally came to this conclusion. By his own words, this is what he said. I finally came to this decision. I concluded. I will believe that the Bible is true. That's it. I will believe it. I will by faith. I will accept it. I will believe it. And God's Spirit touched him and made him a force in the world. This Bible, my friends, in spite of all that you may question in it, in spite of all that you may say cannot be explained, in spite of all that you may say needs further clarification, and if God wrote it, he'd have made it clearer than that, in spite of all the things you come up with, the only answer for you in your life, in your life, if you want to cover time in this world and eternity, the only answer is in this Word of God. And that is the answer for our lives. Praise God. We step forth in the, in the water baptism. We're declaring that. We believe that. So that's what we'll stand on now. Those of you who are being baptized, now I'm going to ask you just before you do that, I'm going to ask everybody here to stand with me, please. Then I'm going to ask all the candidates while we're standing to come forward for baptism.